I'm glad we're together today in this space. Uh, my name is Mark Cummins, and I'm the pastor at Church of Hope. And if you're a regular attender, welcome. So glad that week after week we join together in this space. And if by chance this is your first time, I'm really glad that we're beginning our friendship today. Uh, understand that this broadcast literally goes around the world for free. See, we believe that life's at its best when people discover hope in Christ. There are people who give generously so this broadcast can be reached across every continent. If you've never given, I would invite you today to give. You can go to our webpage, hopeinocala.com, and drop down on the giving bar and give a one-time gift. Or you can give generously beyond just today. And if God's blessed you, help us as we give hope around the world. But for now, I want you to open up your heart and your mind. Let Jesus speak to you because what I believe is that when we open up our minds and let Jesus speak to us, life doesn't become perfect and all the problems don't go away, but you experience his presence in you, with you, and for you. Open up your heart. Let Jesus speak to you today. Peace. In a uh, world where love seems rare, or at best, it's just a cliche, I think it's time we have a conversation about real love. Uh, we've got the world angry, divided, complicated, across the oceans. We've got one group of human beings who go across a border and they take Jewish Israeli citizens and they become prisoners now for some 100 plus days and then in retaliation for that evil atrocity of what one people group did out of hate towards another people group the Jewish Israeli people are bombing and destroying uh, Gaza and the Palestinians and it just escalates over and over and over. At some point, we just need to pause. Literally, in the Middle East, to have a ceasefire moment, we come back to a point where we try to find what real love is. And our country, I don't have to tell you, we've been divided for a long time, and it's about to get real cray-cray in the coming days and weeks. And even in this space, church space, gathering on this campus or joining online, it really is time that we lean in and we take the word love as just some casual flip it, oh yeah, that's the God thing kind of thing, and then we pivot and go on with our lives and really begin to understand what does love winning looks like? Because I think if we lean in this morning, we're going to see that love wins in every area. But if we got honest, love's not winning in very many areas right now. If you got your Bible, there's a familiar passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. Normally, we lean in it at the wedding ceremony, but God didn't write it for a cute wedding ceremony on a Saturday afternoon. He wrote it for our everyday life. Check it out in your Bible or in the big Bible on the screen. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be only a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. We can have all the intellect and all the education. We, we can speak, we can have TED Talks, we can have everything just polished just right. But God says, if you don't have love, it's just noise. Verse two, if the gift of prophecy, if I had the ability to understand all that God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, if I could do incredible, if you could do incredible things, but didn't have love for others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. The opposite of what we see in our world, in our culture, in our marriages, in our neighborhoods, in our businesses. Verse four, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's proud or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. That would fix a whole lot of our marriages right now, wouldn't it? We, we write it down, right? We're going to hold on to that for our next fight. Do you remember back 13 years ago? 13 years ago in six months and 13 days and eight hours, you did this. It's amazing how we have the memory when we want to have a memory against each other. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Verse 13, and maybe you even have this on a plaque. Maybe it's on some type of art in your home. Maybe it was a part of your marriage ceremony. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I would say on the surface, we'd all probably kind of nod our heads and say, yeah, sure, that's right, <laughs> But come Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, love really seems absent. I think it's time that we learn how to love up. Earlier, actually late in 23, uh, we as a church put on a business conference uh, for our business leaders in the community. Uh, one of the guest speakers' name was Marcus Buckingham. Um, Marcus gave a talk, and in that talk, he, he outlined how we often want to see behavior in the workplace change. And he gave this illustration about the difference between an employee who really likes his job or, or uh, a client who likes the company. But when someone likes something, or even when they really like something, the data, and that's what Buckingham is, he is a behavioral scientist, the data, when somebody likes something or really likes something, their behavior is not predictable. He went on to show the data that when somebody loves something, behavior is predictable. That, that, that when you like something, you like to go fishing. And it's not particularly the best conditions on a particular Saturday. More than likely, you're not going to go fishing. You like to go fishing, but listen, the weather isn't exactly how you'd like it to be. And so most likely, you're not going to go. But when you love fishing, 
I'm telling you what, ain't no one, nothing stopping you, keeping you from going fishing. Hey, when you love ice cream, I don't care how cold it is on the outside, you having yourself a bowl of ice cream. Hey, when you like jujitsu, now, you might like it, but when it's not convenient or your schedule or, or your body is sore, you're probably not after work going to the mat and rolling around with a bunch of guys and getting sweaty and hot and getting pinned and getting twisted like a pretzel. Oh, but when you love jujitsu, let me tell you what you're doing. You're going because no one can stop. See, when you love something, when you love someone, behavior is predictable. You know exactly what they're going to do because they love it. Love always finds away. Love has no excuses. Love sacrifices. Love is resourceful. Love goes the extra mile. Love is predictable. Love is resilient. Hey, love even shovels snow when your team makes it to the playoffs and you pay hundreds of dollars for a football ticket and you've got to shovel the snow so you can sit your butt in freezing cold weather. Last weekend. You're not stopping Buffalo Bill fans from going to the stadium. They brought their own shovel. They paid hundreds of dollars for that ticket, but they had to shovel so they could sit down in sub-freezing temperatures. Why? Because love is predictable. So a question that we gotta wrestle with this morning, how much do we really love God? Because I would suggest for a lot of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not real predictable. It's not real consistent. It's not constant. It's kind of sometimes when we feel like it, sometimes when we maybe we're not quite sure. My hope is in our study, in our time together, we will move not from liking God, not really liking not God, like really, really, really liking God, but coming to a new place where we love God with all of our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. Because when we do, our behavior as Christ followers will be predictable. Love is predictable. We know what someone will do when they love it. But the confusion about the whole love word, particularly in our space, the spiritual space, is because in the original languages, there are multiple words for the word love, and maybe you've heard that before. In our, in our culture today, we use love for everything. I love ice cream, I love football, I love the beach, I love the mountains, I love my spouse, I love my kids, I love God. And it's just this mismatched. So what I'd like to do is frame biblically what love is and some, some observations, and then we'll give some application for us to love up this week, okay? Ready? So here's some observations. Look at uh, John chapter 13. Jesus talking to the disciples then and talking to us now. He says, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. I remember years ago, I was in Pennsylvania 
Western Pennsylvania, young pastor, I don't know, maybe 30, 31. And uh, I had seen a lady um, uh, in the store. I had not seen her at, at Zion. That was the name of the church uh, that I pastored in some time. And so I started a conversation and then I did what no one should ever do. I said to her, so how far along are you? Oh man, <laughs> 30 years old, clueless. And she looked me right in the eyes and said, I'm not pregnant. Yeah, right? Awkward. <laughs> Big time. But you know, I think a lot of us, um, I think a lot of us as so-called Christians, we're trying to look the part on the outside. So see, if there's nothing happening on the inside, Nothing going on on the inside. Nothing's happening. She's not pregnant. I think a lot of us somehow we've equated following Jesus as this, um, how, how well do I raise my hands or not raise my hands? Uh, do I say the loudest hallelujahs? Am I the loudest person in the room? Am I demonstrative? We, we've tried to create it in this, in this image of outward expression rather than understanding there's only one way to be pregnant and it's on the inside. There's only one way to be fully committed, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It is on the inside. And God defines it for us. He says, it's by the love that you have for one another. We have a disease in America. It's the church hopping disease. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. When it comes to gatherings like this, we are all on the same team, every church. That, that's why we're not put off by advertising what's happening over at One Life Church because we read from the same book, we have the same Savior, and what really matters is we are advancing the love of Jesus in our community rather than having people sit in a certain place on a Sunday. It's how we started. Some of you were here way back in the day. We used to, every single Sunday, uh, we would pray for one of the local churches and all the things that were happening in their church. But it's, it's, it really is a disease. You know, maybe you're here checking out hope or you're online checking out hope and, and you're like at one church and for whatever reason, it's not going how you think it should go with that particular church and the pastor did this or he didn't do that. He didn't show up in a certain way and all those kind of things. And you're like, let me go check out that hope place. I understand sometimes truly the Holy Spirit might be moving somebody from one place to another place. Here's how you know that it's the Holy Spirit. You got the courage to go talk to that pastor or that leader and explain, articulate exactly why you're leaving and going someplace else. That's the Holy Spirit. The other stuff is you're just mad. Your undies are in a bunch. You got a big old spiritual wedgie pulling you all the way up. Someone didn't do it exactly the way that you liked it, and you don't understand that God gave you a command to love one another. Not really like, not sort of like, but to love people. And if you get sideways with somebody, what you actually do, hello, hashtag, you go have a conversation with them and say, on this particular day, you did this or you did that or whatever. There's a rash that's going on. It's worse than the actual pandemic that happened four years ago. It's called church hurt. Everybody's walking around, the church hurt. What does that even mean, church hurt? Church is, is this anomaly, like this church, no, name it. A pastor, a priest, a rabbi, 
Deacon Potato Head at one particular church, Sister Fluffy Head at that particular church said something mean to me. It got me hurt and it hurt my feelings and now I'm a, I'm a hurt person. Are you following Jesus or are you following Oprah? Those of us who are following Jesus Christ, love, love is this strength. Love wins when we understand that God has given us a command that we love one another. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Maybe the reason people on the outside look on the inside of Christianity, they say, yeah, nah, not so much. Because Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples. Not by how big of a Bible you carry. Not by what's on your radio. Not by whether or not you drink or don't drink. Not by what you do this. All this external stuff. All this games. He said, you, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. He went on to ruffle feathers a little bit farther in Luke chapter 6. He said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. So now it's time for you to start loving people who don't look like you, don't act like you, don't vote like you, don't identify like you. We spent so much time, right? And we point our fingers across and say, look at those people. Look at them guys. Where Jesus, our Savior, you got up on a chilly, cold Sunday and you came into this space. Or you're watching online, still warm under the covers. All I'm saying is Jesus says that, listen, Loving people who are just like you, who vote like you, who act like you, who, who look and smell and everything, sinners do that. The mark of a Christ follower, somebody who has been pregnated by the power and the presence of God in their life, loves people who don't even look like them. And then he goes on to say in Matthew chapter 5, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, love is predictable. Love is predictable. We've got too many people who like God and not enough who love God because when you love God, it's predictable how you look at your time, how you look at your cash, how you forgive other people. Love is predictable. We know what someone will do when they love it. I read a story this week about these two older ladies who live next door. And one lady was just kind of just really mean. She was just cranky. You know somebody like that? Maybe she's in your family. Just older, cranky, mean. And she had some, some, some chickens and uh, she every day would take the, the chicken manure and dump it over on the other lady's yard. This went on for a long time. Well, the lady who had the chickens, <laughs> she got sick and actually ended up in the hospital. And the lady who lived next door to her decided that she would get some flowers and go to the hospital and visit her. So she did. She goes to the hospital. She gets her little security badge. She goes up to the lady's room and walks in with the flowers. And the lady who was in the hospital looks at her and says, what are you doing here? Where'd you get them flowers? You ain't got enough money from them flowers. And then the lady who brought the flowers looked at her and said, well, really, these flowers belong to you because when you dumped your chicken manure on my side, you were fertilizing the flowers every single day. 
Hey, there's a lot of manure dumping on you. It's time as Christ followers, we start seeing it as fertilizer. Why? Because fertilizer is predictable. When you put fertilizer on it, it grows. So let me give you three observations in the time that we've got left and three applications for us, right? Observations of how love has won and how you and I can keep love winning today. So number one, maybe, maybe this is familiar with you, maybe not. Love won because God came to us, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We win. God loves us so much. He says, listen, you ain't have to fix yourself. I'll send my son, Jesus. I will come to you. First John 4 and 14. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Love wins. We win because God came to us. Love is predictable. God is love. God doesn't do love. God is love. So God's actions, his behavior is predictable because we know what someone will do. I know what you will do when you love it. Number two, if you're taking notes, love one, God created a cure for our sin disease. We all have a disease, it's called sin. Not one of us can fix it. Not one of us can go to a doctor to heal it. We're never gonna get over it. We win, love wins because God created a cure for our sin. Look, 1 John 4, 10. This is what real love is. It is not, this is what real love is. It is not our love for God. It is God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place to take away our sins. Real love is not that I looked up and said, oh, I'm gonna love God. It's that God looked down and he said, listen, I love you so much, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you said, I'm going to come because I love you. Love is predictable. God's madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. So it's predictable what God would do. He came to us to forgive us our sins. Love one. Love is predictable. He himself, 1 John 2, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Jesus paid the penalty for the person who agitates you the most, who you're irritated and frustrated with and so mad at and convinced that you can't ever forgive them. Just understand this, that Jesus that you say that you love, the songs that we sing this morning, Jesus paid the penalty for their sins to be forgiven too. But God, Romans chapter five and eight, but God demonstrated his own love for us. And this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because love is predictable. Love is predictable. It's not a Marcus Buckingham principle. It's God. When someone loves, God loves you and it's predictable. He demonstrated his love. He came and he died for us while we were still sinners. Before you were interested, before you thought, oh, Maybe I'll follow after God. God, because he loves us, because love is predictable, we know what people will do when they love it. Their behavior is predictable. Here's a third thing if you're taking notes. Love one, you can accept or you can reject God's love. It's predictable. 
Love hasn't been forced on any of us. Not on you, not on me, not on us. You don't have to love God. Look at the Bible, John 3 and 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever done something and you're like, oh, man, and, and you want no one in the world to know about it, but then someone in the world knows about it, and then they kind of hold it over you? There was this boy, and, and uh, I don't know what it is about us boys, but in the yard, seeing a rock, you want to throw, throw the stones, throw the rocks. And, and this mom had told this little boy, hey, listen, stop throwing the rocks. You're going to break something. Somebody's going to get hurt. Well, on one day, he throws this rock, and he, he hits this duck, actually a little pet duck that the family had, right in the head in the deck. Duh, deck. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck? <laughs> And the duck dies. Say that 10 times fast, right? And uh, he's looking around and he thinks, man, no one saw me. So you think he's going to, you know, dig a hole, bury the duck. But his sister saw. And his sister's like, hey, listen. You're going to do my chores for the next week or I'm telling mom. So he kind of thinks to him, I say, oh, okay, all right. Am I telling your story? <laughs> And so he does. Well, one week goes to two weeks, three weeks, a month. He, he is so frustrated. He is so overwhelmed by this oppression of guilt and his sister holding it over him. He finally breaks down, goes to his mom, and he says, Mom, I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to be throwing the rocks, and I did. And I hit the duck, and, and it killed the duck. And mom says this to him, Son, I already knew. I've just been waiting for you to come and tell me. You see, love wins because you can accept or you can reject. And God already knows what we've done. And he still loves us. And I don't know where you might be on this dusty trail called life, but if you've never, ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, love is predictable. And right now in your seat, online, you can reach out and say, Jesus, save me. It's predictable. Jesus will save you. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. It's predictable. We know what God will do because he loves you. He'll forgive you right now. Jesus, take control of my life. It's predictable. You know what God will do. He will take control of your life if you are accepting him. And if you are accepting him right now in your seat or online, let me say to you, welcome to God's family. You don't have to wear abs. You're certain to put your hands together. You don't have to worry about older sister, older brother, whoever in the world, your own guilty conscience holding you. God already knew. God forgives you. I'd love to help you continue to grow and follow Jesus. There's a, a number on the screen that you can text the word today to. We'll come alongside, help you. You can use the connect card because love wins. Because love is predictable, we know what God, we know what someone would do when they love it. So let me give you, those are three big observations. Let me give you three ways you and I can keep, keep love winning today. Move it from victory to a continued victory. Here, take notes, write this down. Number one is this. Love is winning when I worship in spite of my doubts. 
So you think, yeah, I gotta get it all figured out when I don't have any doubts. Then I'll lean in and I'll worship. I'll make God the highest and the tallest. I'll make Jesus the center and the point for my life. No, love is winning when I worship in spite of my doubts. Mark chapter nine, at once the father cried out. He said with tears in his eyes, Lord, I have faith. Help my weak faith to be stronger. That's where I live. God, I've got faith that you can do this. I believe that you're God, but I also have these doubts. I don't have it all figured out. I can't see exactly what God's doing right now along the way. There's this little boy, he's standing inside of the road and an older man comes by and he asks the boy, why are you standing there? And the little boy says, I'm waiting for the bus. Well, the older wise man says, this is not a bus stop. You need to go down the street and stand by the bus stop. And the little boy kindly says back, I understand, sir, but I'm just gonna stay here. And the man said, you're going to miss the bus. This is not a bus stop. You need to go down the road and you need to be at the bus stop. If you need to get on the bus, you've got to be at the bus stop. The little boy said, I understand, sir, but I'm, 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 I'm going to just stand right here. So the man began to, to walk away. About that time, he actually heard the bus and the bus, bus came and actually the bus stopped right at where the little boy was standing. And as the little boy, the, the bus doors opened up, as the little boy took the one step up onto the bus and held on to the handrail, he looked down to the man and he said, the bus driver is my dad. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, there might be things in life that you're doubting. Everybody might be telling you, you need to be there, you need to be over here, you gotta be at this spot, you gotta do this, you gotta have this education, you gotta have this I dotted, this T crossed. Hey, when you're following after God, it's all you need to know. I will worship him in spite of my doubts. Love is predictable. We know what you will do when you love it. So the question is, do you love God? Is your behavior predictable? Number two, love is winning when I grow as I go. Love is winning as I grow, as I go. Again, it's not getting it all figured out. It's understanding that I'm on a journey. Notice the Bible in Philippians chapter two. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. He's the leader. He says, when I was there, you followed the instructions. But notice what happens. And now that I am away, it is even more important that you work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Why? Because love is predictable. We know what a person's going to do when they love it. You grow as you go. It's a journey. Life is a journey. I remember a, a leadership quote. Maybe you've seen it. Something like this. Success is a journey. It's not a destination. In other words, it's the journey, right? Do you remember going on a road trip when you were a kid, or maybe this is you now, and, and you had that parent, you had that dad that said, okay, everybody, we're going on vacation. You're gonna get in this car, and for the next 18 hours, we're not stopping. We're not, we're not pulling over, we're nothing. And it's like, it's like you go through Hades to get to heaven. You, you go through this terrible road trip to get to the vacation, Right? You, 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 you get that. So this idea that success is a journey. Well, I saw this week the question, it was asked this way. 
what's more important, the journey or the destination? It's a good question, right? What's more important, the journey, how you get there, what you do on your way there, or the destination once you get there? And then the answer was the company you keep. I had never heard that, but that's good. Because what's most important is the company that we keep along life's journey. We grow as we are with other people. Go back to the Bible, look at verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. When we are in community together, we grow as we go. Because when we stumble, when I don't show up the way that I wanted to show up, when, when I don't behave the way that I would want to behave, I've got somebody who comes alongside and says, hey, Mark, there's a better way. Or, hey, Mark, let me help you bounce back to our better than one. We are better together. That's why I'm in a small group. That's why I love being in community because it's the company that we keep along life's way that gives you strength to keep growing in Christ as you're going. That's Peter's story. I mean, Peter's the old boy, right? Remember, they're on the boat and it's the storm and, 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 and they think they're gonna die, literally. Jesus is nowhere to be found and Peter's looking out there and there Jesus is walking on the water towards him. And Pete says, yo, Jesus, is that you? They all thought it was a ghost. He's the one guy, and he says, can I come out with you? And he's the only old boy who reaches his legs out over the side of that boat, and he steps out, and he walks on the water. But then he begins to see the waves, and he feels the wind, and what happens? He starts doubting. He starts sinking. You'd think he's a failure. He's the guy that, that said, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm all with you. I'm for you. Even if I have to die, I'm with you. And then when the pressure, the peer pressure was on him after they had arrested Jesus, he's like, yeah, no, I don't know him. Second time, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, no, I'm definitely not one of his disciples. Third time, no way. How many times do I have to tell you people? But Peter's also the one who preached on the day of Pentecost, the day the church was born. He was the one that God used to shape the formation of the beginning of what we're doing right here today, the ecclesia, the gathering of the church. How did that happen? Because love wins. Love is winning when you and I grow as we go. Love is predictable. You know what you will do when you love it. Whatever it is, it will never stop you from accomplishing it because you love it. it will not, nothing will keep you from doing it, from having it. So the question this morning to all of us that we've got to wrestle with, and I get it, it's, it's, it's awkward and it can cut do you love God? Is your love predictable? 
Or why do you look and you say, ah, oh, you know, I, I know I wanna, I, I, I wanna give or I wanna go volunteer and be a part of, of Night to Shine. I could see myself doing that. But you know, I got this and I got that and whatever. No, 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 no. That means you like God. When you love God, then there's always finances to give. There's always time to give. There's always forgiveness to give. Why? Because love is predictable. And what we need in our culture today, more than anything else, are men and women who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ with a predictable love day by day. Here's the last thing I'll give you be on our way is this, is love is winning when my talk looks like my walk. I'm sure you hear it, I hear it. My friends who aren't believers and followers, they'll often say things to me like, you know, Mark, I'm, I'm okay with Jesus. It's, it's, it's his followers, it's those church people that I struggle with. And the real honest and difficult evaluation for all of us is we do something on a Sunday but then it doesn't look the same on Tuesday and Wednesdays and Thursdays. Look at 1 John 3 and 18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. In high school, we, we had a guy, you probably had the same kind of guy, but so I'm dating myself. This is the late 70s, early 80s. We had a guy and he always wore a Mercedes Benz hat, but he, he drove a Pinto. Most of you don't even know what a, a Pinto is. Um, but he drove a Pinto, and he had kind of a big hair kind of a thing, and, and he always wore this Mercedes-Benz hat. And we would always just make fun of him, you know? Driving a Pinto, pretending you're a Benz, you know, kind of a deal, right? And he was kind of the butt of the jokes, and we graduated uh, early June 1983. And while we all still had our caps and gowns on and everything, and we went out to the parking lot, there he was sitting in a brand new Mercedes Benz. See, what none of us knew is that he and his dad had an agreement that if he graduated with a certain GPA, he would buy him a brand new Mercedes Benz. You see, what Pete was doing all those years, he was living the part before he had the car. And so by the time that he had the car, he already had the hat. And he already had the keychain. You see, it's time that we start living the part of Jesus Christ being in us and with us and for us. It's time that we start having love as a predictable outlier of the decision we will make when the pressure is on. I'm excited to see Buffalo Bill fans. Go Bills. <laughs> they, they go, right? I mean, think about it. That level of commitment, they go early. They shoveled out their own way to get to their seat. 
this is going to be snarky, but would you have done that this morning to come to Hope? Now, that might be an indicator of me more than God, so I get it. That's fair. I'd shovel it out to go see God, Mark. You, not so much. That's fair. I totally get it. But how about in those real private places when you look at your income? Do you really believe God owns it all? Your time. Hey, moms and dads, and realize that for the moms and dads who are here, perhaps this isn't as much for you as others, but if we as parents make the gathering of Christ followers, what we call the church, optional, should you be surprised that when they become teenagers and young adults, they don't see Jesus as necessary? You see, it's predictable. What you love, you do. What you love, you give your time and your energy and your cash. You lean all in. So the question this morning is, do you love God? Do you love him to the way that love is predictable and that you'll worship him? You'll declare that he's the highest and he's the tallest and he's the most important regardless of the doubts that you might have? Will you continue to grow as you go? And sometimes you'll have a setback, but you've decided that I'm going to get along some other Christ followers, not just people who say what I want them to say, but people who will challenge me when I've gotten off the path and I will grow as I go. Will you let your talk about Jesus become less than your walk for Jesus. I suggest if we walk off this campus today and we make love up a priority in our life, what we hope for in Ocala, Marion County, the state of Florida, the United States of America, the world will begin to change by loving someone in a predictable way. Does that make sense? Does it really? Does that make, you love something, right? Do you, 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 you love, right? There's things that you love, right? You love, some of you love your pick-me-up trucks, right? right? You, you, we all love something, right? It, it makes sense, right? Love is predictable. So why are you still sitting here? Go love up. Why would you just sit here? Let's just go do it. That's what the world needs. It's just, let's just go do it. Thank you. Being together in this space today is really good. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to invite you today to start following Jesus. It's not about your behavior. It's not about your church attendance. It's about the reality that Jesus is for you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Would you right now pray this prayer with me? Hey God, it's me. I've sinned and I know it and I can't fix me. But today I receive you, Jesus, as my savior. 
I believe that you died on that cross for me and that you were buried for three days and then you became alive again. And I invite you into my life to guide me and direct me all the rest of the days of my life. And with that prayer, my friend, welcome to God's family. I'd like to continue our friendship. If you would email me, pastor at hopeinocala.com. I'll follow up with you and together we'll celebrate Jesus in your life. Peace.